Honey, hush. I'm Michelle Chen, and I'm here with episode 31. I'm fired up about just doing episode 31. I would have never dreamed this time last year when this was just a conversation that we would even have a podcast and much less get to 31 episodes. What the heck? So thanks for listening. And today we're going to be talking about how we're raising our children and how we're working with those people who are the product of what others have raised. So whether you have kids or whether you're going to have future children, and maybe that's just not in the cards for you at all. um, This is definitely an episode that I'm excited for you to listen to, and maybe we can learn to do better together. So let's get it started. Welcome to Honey Hush, the podcast for up and coming and established leaders alike. Every week, we discuss how to win influence with one simple strategy, kindness. Whether you are a successful entrepreneur or still in the dream phase, Honey Hush is for you. Now, here are your Hive hostesses, three Southern businesswomen who know a thing or two about using honey to attract the bees, Lacey, Michelle, and Elizabeth. Lately, I've been reading several articles about how society has been raising children. And I say society because I don't mean us. We are currently in that phase of raising our children. They're 10 and 12. So we're still in that phase of totally impressionable. (laughs) You know, we can make them or break them. Still in that zone. And my generation, it's like we were still sort of that generation that really didn't have technology outside of Nintendo's. Yahoo was just becoming a thing, and you know, our high school library was the only place with a computer that you could even access the internet, and bag phones, like cell phones, were actually in a bag in your car that you had to plug in to the lighter because vehicles still came with lighters, and I remember Angie Kemp and Carrie Steele They were the only friends that I had that had bag phones in their car on a Friday night. And we sure were not allowed to use them unless there was an emergency. And I mean, like, somebody better be bleeding. It needed to be serious. We grew up still playing in the neighborhood, like, until the streetlights came on. Riding our bike over to a friend's house with our sleepover bag on our back. I mean, and to get to Kelly McGray's house, like, that was actually... In a whole nother, like her neighborhood was only attached to mine through a little grouping of trees. Like I had to go through someone else's yard, through a little path that had been created um, over years just to be able to get to that friend's house. But I figured it out. We played baseball in the neighbor's backyard every morning. Trees lined out as our bases. Yes, girls played too. We were able to scrounge up change or dollars and walk to the gas station at the end of the neighborhood. And that actually meant crossing a pretty busy street. So those of you who happen to be familiar with Starkville, um, I'm talking about Green Oaks. And there used to actually be a store called Green Oaks Superette, which doesn't even exist anymore. It's a group of offices and is actually right across from Patriot Park. So I'm talking about being about fourth grade, fourth grade, somewhere after fourth grade, actually. And we would walk back and forth from one end of our neighborhood up there to get a Coke or get a Snickers or whatever it may be. So we had to cross and walk up Whitfield Street just to be able to get there. Could you imagine letting your kids do that today? 
I mean, I can't. <laughs> and one of the other things, if our parents, if they needed us in the summer, like during the day right now, and I'm thinking about this really especially because it was mostly during the summer when we had this much freedom. But if they needed us, they had to call the house, right? And they probably didn't get us because we weren't home. <laughs> My mom, she would leave me and Randall notes on the kitchen counter of what she expected to be done that day. Like, get the grass mowed. And then Randall and I would proceed to argue over who was mowing the front and who was mowing the back because neither one of us was going to be doing all of it. Or if the dishwasher needed to be unloaded or something needed to be vacuumed, whatever she expected that day, it was left on, um, for a note. And, you know, like we probably didn't even start on that stuff until about 3 o'clock that afternoon, leaving ourselves just enough time to play all day and get everything done. Do I see that awesomeness I called fun in the summer happening with my own kids? Y'all, I don't. Okay, so Houston, I do. I'll take it back. Houston, absolutely. Houston and his best bud, Henry, and a friend, Colton. Henry and Houston still do this, but it really, really started a few summers ago when Colton was still here also. But Colton, he's now moved on to the land of hottie toddy and all things red and powder blue. <laughs> but they used to play from the time they woke up to the time we made them slow down to eat and drink some water. <laughs> they even came in one time during the summer and asked me to fry them some eggs. Like they were craving protein so much that hot and sweaty boys in the middle of the summer wanted fried eggs. And they would do this until the sun went down and it was time to go to bed. Y'all, they would talk through walkie-talkies and They'd be two to three neighborhoods away, and they got there through the woods, crossing ditches and all the things. But I think we'd all say those boys are old souls living in a world of technology, and not a lot of people still like them. They are little old men living out their best days as kids. Now, my other three, if you'll give them a TV or an iPad and a comfy seat, bye. They're checking out and playing games or texting back and forth with their friends for hours. And sometimes their friend may be in the same room sitting next to them playing on their iPad as well. And they're playing the same game, but together. So don't say, y'all go play, because they're going to say, we are playing together. We're playing the same game right now. I don't even know what that means. I wouldn't even know where to begin. So how does this all relate to those articles I was talking about? These articles, they were basically about raising decent people. Knock to knock, those generations of tech-savvy kids now in college or in their mid-20s or even y'all's parents who raised a fur, or like started raising those first generations of kids with more technology in the entire world at their fingertips and these parents were having to figure it out and learn it as they go. And as children, y'all were learning naturally so much faster and figuring out that parents could even keep up with. I get it. I think everybody probably did their best and figured things out as they went along. And hopefully my generation as parents, hopefully we have learned a lot and how we can do better with technology. But there's also some serious world changers that have come out of all of these generations. I think one of the main complaints that I keep seeing 
come up in these articles is that as a society, we have been raising people who are more interested in texting than real conversations. People don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to actually have a conversation with an adult. They are so interested in their notifications. Oh, just send me an email. Um, why can't you just tell me? <laughs> or they really are entitled, wanting things much sooner than they've earned them. It blows my mind still just how much they need that cell phone just right there. You're at work. We have a landline here. They can find you. And prior to about 1996, they figured it out and they figured out where you were and how to find you just fine. Which means I am telling you, they've been figuring things out for 1,996 years. It's going to be okay. <laughs> if they could do it for that long, they can do it now, even though technology allows them to find you at the snap of a finger. Calm down. It's okay. As parents, we have to remember we are raising future adults and we have to prepare them. One of these articles my friend Nicole posted, um, Raising 27s, it was talking about teaching our children to be a good loser. Attitude? Woo! Y'all, I love a good attitude. Attitude is absolutely everything. And I think attitude is also, it's how you react to things too. You know, I love somebody with a good attitude. And y'all know by now that I'm a person who learns from failing. So losing is not failure to me. But that's not the same for everybody. Teaching our kids, they didn't fail. And they aren't a complete loser. Like as a human, we are not raising complete losers. They didn't, they are not a loser. I feel like that, like the win and loss is going so much further than just either you win or you lost. It is becoming who they are as people. Because they missed a play that lost the game, that doesn't mean that they are a loser as a person. Did they lose that game? Yes, that is a loss. But I see people missing this mark on every single baseball season I've had with our boys so far. It's exhausting. Why isn't my kid playing? Um, you don't come to practice. <laughs> You show up for 60% of the games and today you wonder why your kid's on the bench? Or it could be just the opposite. Because you're sitting there thinking, my kid is freaking awesome. My kid hits home runs every time they're up for bat. My kid always catches that pop fly. Or my kid can make it from the left field all the way to first base before that runner even gets there. But you know what? These kids who may not be as awesome... They've been here for every practice. They've showed up for every single game. So guess who's going to be on the field? Guess who's going to be on the bench? Your awesome kid who knocks it out of the park every time. And coaches, it's okay to put that kid on the bench because those other kids are participating and being there. They are being consistent and ready every single time. They are coachable kids who are willing to learn and willing to earn the right to be on that field. You know what I'm saying? Another thing we're missing. We aren't letting our kids explore enough. 
like when they're really little. Oh my god, y'all, I remember I hated going to the park. <laughs> I would literally cry at times <laughs> because Drew might be a baby and I could actually like have him in a stroller and his little oxygen tank up underneath. <laughs> the triplets would go in all these different directions. I'd be running around like crazy. So going to a park wasn't always fun for me. But one of my very dear friends, she brought to my attention earlier this week too. And she is so right about this. Kids are learning to be independent and they're figuring out their boundaries all on their own while playing. Even as little bee kids. And they're doing that because the good Lord made them that way. Will they get hurt if they climb that tree? They might. But two things can happen. They'll either learn another way to climb that tree to get to the branch they've been looking to swing from. Or they'll know it hurt when they fall and they won't do it again. Okay, so don't get uptight here. I mean, I am well aware that real accidents happen in life. But at some point, I as a parent have to remember that climbing that tree in my grandparents' front yard was awesome. And I learned what I could and couldn't do by myself. My grandparents were inside and probably had no clue I was climbing that tree. And the higher I got, the more I didn't want to fall. I needed to be sure of my footing and where my next branch was going to be. I figured it out. And my kids, they can do that too if I let them. This friend, she has a toddler. And she realized real quick she didn't love it when others kept saying, Stop jumping on the couch. Stop spinning. Don't play on that water. Get out of that water. Why are those things so awful for a 10-year-old to do? Aren't they playing alone? Aren't they entertaining themselves? What's so bad about it? And the last article that had my attention this week was about raising our children to be includers rather than excluders. This is hitting home pretty fierce right now. So the triplets, they are 12, middle school. They'll be in the seventh grade next year. The feeling of exclusion is starting to creep in a lot. One of our daughters is, she's really, really particular about their her friendships. And she loves friends, friends that could care less if her room is a mess, friends that will build her up on her bad days, friends that love creating and figure out how they can save the world with one little kind action at a time. That also means she notices when someone doesn't speak to her at school, but if they're somewhere and she's the only other kid around, they want to play with her. That doesn't jive with her. Love me all the time or none of the time. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I love that she notices that at 12 years old. Kids are watching us, all of us. That coach at the ball field, that grocery store cashier with a good or just ugh, attitude, that teller at the bank that sends them a sucker, they're watching us. And they pick up on our behaviors, even naturally becoming excluders. They are learning that behavior from us. So please be mindful of your actions. I've learned personally, I've had so much to work on this last year. Learning I'm not always right, or my feelings aren't the only perspective. My temper, y'all. I don't have to tell everyone exactly what I'm thinking right then. Do I want my children growing up with those same faults that I don't love about myself? Heck no. So I'm working on it. When we see our kids excluding others... What they're saying is, you're not good enough. Why? Why is another person less valuable than them? Think about that for a minute. 
Does my child have something to offer that other kid? Hey, let me show you how to do this. Or maybe they're good at something my kid needs help with, like a better attitude. And they're too intimidated by them. I mean, let's all do a little bit better at noticing when others are weaker than us or we're stronger. How can we help that person in what they're not as good at? We need each other to create amazing things, to change an entire society of current excluders, bad attitudes, and people who can only talk through texting. Will you join arms with me and work to do better at this? Even if you don't have kids, this applies literally to all of us. Do this for me. Screenshot this episode and share. Share what you love. Share what you learned. And let's hold each other accountable for what we're willing to work on. I would love to see what you're willing to work on. One of the main things that I'm going to be working on is that exclusion I've noticed this week that I have a child, they were um, swapping up teams, like picking teams, and one of my kids didn't want to be on somebody else's team. They literally said out loud, I want to be on this team. I don't want to be on that team. They're not good. Pause. I immediately yanked my kid out of that situation in front of all those other kids and all the other adults that were sitting there too. Did I embarrass my child? I do not care. They should feel awful for embarrassing all those other kids that they're saying aren't good enough. I need to teach that particular child, maybe you could have been helpful to them. Maybe you can teach them how to do whatever game y'all are about to play. Maybe they've never played before. Maybe that's why they haven't been as good today or whatever in the heck it may be. But what I know that kid's not going to do, they're never going to exclude somebody like that again or they'll get yanked right out until they have a different attitude about it. So I'm willing to do this and I need you to do it with me. Okay, Lacey's going to be up next week. Until then, y'all be fabulous. See y'all.